<clears throat> rolling. Extra, extra. This just in. Welcome, Welcome to, to Uncover, Uncover Girl. Girl, the podcast that unpacks the most memorable celebrity profiles of all time. We're your hosts, Ivana Ryder and Beatrice Hazelhurst, ready to unravel and review every culture-defining A-list interview with the help of writers, industry experts, and even the talent themselves. Journalism might be dying, but you better believe the celebrity profile lives on. Today we're celebrating Valentine's Day with the sexiest man alive. We're going to the club. We're drinking way too much. We're flirting. We're going to Chris's house and we are waking up in the gutter. Maybe you've already read it, but you heard it here first. Welcome. What a week. It's getting weird. Every time we come to getting into a new interview, something synchronistic happens with said celebrity. I know. And it's just becoming a running theme that we can't get away from. It really is. And like, I don't even... They're truly, I mean, in the most clear sense, signs. <laughs> it's getting weird. We've we've had it several times. And this week, it is all about Chris Evans, who... This week was named People's Sexiest Man Alive um, of 2022. Deserved, do you think? You know, I do think. I mean, for people. I They'll never recover after Blake Shelton, I think. They really <laughs> lost. They was, lost their way. They lost their, their credibility, I feel. But I think that he really is. He's He is sexy. And I have to say, having met him... In oh person gosh, and interviewing him. him. Um, he was charming. He was so charming. Wait, give me the context again of you meeting him. So I was doing the video junket, um, which is basically just, if you've ever seen those little videos where celebrities have like the movie poster as their background yeah. and they're talking about their roles or characters or like something fun. Um, and the hope is to like to go viral off this one clip. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I have three minutes with them. I was given one minute with JLo for the Hustlers junket, which it's very hard to glean the gold from one minute how with was, How was the one minute? Just really quickly. Um, was she nice? Yeah, oh, so nice. I, it, I was so nervous because that was also my first junket. And they told me as I sat down that instead of my three minutes and I had like questions prepared that I would only have one minute. Yeah. And I could basically ask like one question I my voice shook (laughs) I don't even remember it was something so bad it was like you know how how did hustlers uh like I think I talked about like sisterhood and like how you know the the story of sisterhood and what it meant to to do that something like that but for Chris Evans it was for the Knives Out Junket and it was with him and Anna de Armas both just to gorgeous, gorgeous individuals. And he complimented my little jumpsuit as I walked into the room, which filled me with joy. Chris Evans, the arbiter of taste. Yeah, literally. exactly. <laughs> he knew my ASOS jumpsuit that I had bought for the junket because I had no formal clothing or anything that would be even appropriate on camera. Um, so yeah, so in that way, and I feel like that's really a seamless transition because he charmed me and I wasn't the only journalist he's charmed. No, I mean, before we get further into it, I I feel like uh, circling back to the sexiest man alive thing, there are very few entertainers in general who hit all three brackets in the sense of gay men, straight men, straight women. Yes. And he seems to bridge every single demo. Yeah. 
You know, there's that like famous Samantha Jones quote where she says, first come the gays and the girls in the industry. Yeah. Like when she's referring to Smith, her boyfriend, like there is nothing truer ever said, especially with regards to Chris Evans. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Boston of it all, the like family man, yeah, he yeah. has his um, rescue boxer mix like that he posts pictures with like it's like he's like a man of the people it seems he's the one that you would just love to come across on hinge he's, oh, he's yeah. the dream hinge profile yeah and always and vaguely like attainable um in a weird way he doesn't feel kind of out of reach the way that a brad pitt does yeah i agree which i can't really put my finger on why because like he I is think so hot yeah he he is so hot he doesn't do it for me though like it's just not it was just not my taste no it's on my no yeah blonde men i can't you would date a blonde man. He's not blonde. He is. He's not blonde. He's famously blonde. <laughs> Your boyfriend, Stephen, if you're listening, <laughs> you are a blonde man. No, no. He has light brown hair. No. <laughs> he's, he's the blondest little man. Okay, to call him the blondest <laughs> little man, I'm not with like a little He's Scandinavian, like, yeah, Scandinavian yeah, platinum peroxide blonde. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, we'll post a photo on the Instagram. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to put a pin in this discussion and have the Yagos weigh in. I know. Should we, we talk about also what's inspiring us? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. What's inspiring you this week? Do you know what's so funny? This this very much aligns uh, with what's inspiring me. I had a great interview and I had to turn a profile around in two days and the, and the profile itself is absolutely terrible like i now no. that we now that we do this podcast all i can think about when writing a profile is what i would think and what i would pick apart from my mm-hmm. own writing and this was definitely one of the bleakest like we would just rip what i produced to shreds oh, um no but- <laughs> i'm sure it's not true but the interview itself was really really great i just yeah i just really had a good time and it a, didn't feel like an interview. I definitely got lost in the conversation and kind of stepped back from it and was was like, wow, we shouldn't have, I shouldn't have spent all this time talking about non-clicky subjects because right now we're, you know, we're trying to get the the three minutes of fame in and out kind of quote um, of it all. But yeah, it was just such a, just such a, a connection. Um, it was with Emma Chamberlain. Oh, cool. Yeah. So the, the YouTuber, podcaster, extraordinaire, um what was she like yeah it's funny because i i actually stand i really stand and it's wonderful it's rare to go in an interview when you stand and it's that whole thing of don't meet your idols like you're just kind of terrified that they're going to disappoint you um and she really didn't she there is no separation between the public and the private persona like she is just truly her brand she lives it and yeah no she's just like a fascinating human being and really really thoughtful i think she's she's pretty disenchanted with like fame at the moment and she's at that stage in her career but the entire interview just consisted of her being like literally what does this mean who am i without this and it was just like fascinating to hear someone be so introspective and just so self-aware at 21 like it was actually just mind-blowing i haven't had a conversation like that with young talent at all like you can you can attest right when you talk to young oh yeah celebrities they're literally just like yeah <laughs> just like really grateful and just like blessed and 
Yes. Yes. And that's and that's the extent. You're literally like pulling teeth to try and get anything substantive out of the the conversation. But yeah, it was rare to come out of an interview where someone was also just like, wow, I haven't been able to get into this kind of stuff at all um with press and like thank you so much like it was just so lovely to to have that exchange that's special so that actually in a completely like non-ironic very earnest way really inspired me this week oh my god of course I also have to say I think I also really admire her and I knew that I admired her after I saw her open door video which I don't know if you've seen it the architectural just the way that was internet catnip oh my god like the world's burning, but Emma Chamberlain's AD video just dropped. Yeah, it took me out of like a bad place. Like, I feel like I was like having a rough day or whatever. And I saw that and I was like, wow, one, I admire her taste. Yeah. I think it's thoughtful, which yes. clearly is something about her. And it was because it's not just like, I have a ton of money. I'm going to put as much shit into a room as possible. It was like so wonderful. I really loved it. Zane, what's inspiring you? Um, I think for me, it's the first breath that I can take freely, that I've been able to take freely after being gripped by a cold. The sickness. The sickness. I'm just... The way that you take your decongestion for granted. Oh my God. And then it's just ripped away from you and you were like, how did I ever just yeah. go through life yeah. not appreciating... Waking up, clear breathing sinuses. freely. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I am just grateful for my for my health and my breath. So yeah, so that's inspiring me to be to be on the up and up. Well, you know who continues to be on the up and up? Oh my God. The one oh, and only. Captain America. Yeah, I know. We got we to gotta come back to him because we are getting into a story. That- Possibly the most, among the most famous yeah. profiles of all time. Yes. Yes. Um, it was originally published in GQ in 2011. And the story is titled Chris Evans, American Marvel. Um, and it was written by Edith Zimmerman. We have had... A dialogue with Edith. We asked her to come on. We were very kindly and politely shot down, which I think is a missed opportunity for her, just given how much heat she got after this profile. It would have been so nice to have her, just to give her the platform to reminisce and walk down memory lane with this entire interview and where she was coming from because she just got skewered online, which we'll get into, but she did, she did turn us down, which I completely understand. I feel like I actually can't imagine the like cortisol spikes (laughs) post publishing this profile. And, um, I'm a big fan of her work. Um, and she's one of the founding editors of the hairpin, which is like an incredible publication, um, she's like written for the New York Times magazine. Um, she's also originally from Boston, which comes up in the profile. And like in general, I get, yeah, it's like, I'm also sad because I would have loved to talk to her about how she feels about it 10 years later, 10 years later. Yeah. But I, I do understand if she's like trying to let the past be the past because I personally like, I'd help publications like reading this story. Yeah, like, this is, yeah. this is came out kind of pre cancel culture. Um, before, I mean, before Instagram. So before there was real discourse, I think, I mean, Twitter was in its infancy. So was Facebook. So there's a reason this wouldn't come out. This wouldn't happen now. And it is because it is, it is a truly like unhinged piece of writing. And it really does what it like, you know, what a profile sort of promises, which is to entertain. Like I, there was, if someone had taken my computer away in the middle of this profile, I would have found any. I would have found any way to finish it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is also very rare. It's like if I accidentally close the tab sometimes, and I'm in the middle of reading something, I'll just be like, "Well, 
Yeah. It's done. The one last thing is that I wish he got a book deal off of this. I agree. Because someone fucking else did. Someone did. Someone, someone did. did. Yes. Literally took her her story, her entire premise, and published a very successful book. Am I correct? Yes, you yeah. are. The book is entitled Funny You Should Ask yes, um, by right. Alyssa Sussman. And when asked um, in an interview where the idea for this story came from, she was like, I, I was totally inspired by Edith Zimmerman's interview with Chris Evans and was also partially inspired by Taffy Broadacer-Ackner's interview of Tom Hiddleston, which is another one we Mm -hmm. can get into later. Um, But yeah, this idea of like a female journalist um, sort of and our parasocial relationships with celebrities and like those things colliding into like Mm -hmm. one one wild interaction. So um, Okay, get into it. Okay, so... Break it down, baby. Let me set the scene. I also need you to do some math for me while yeah, I yeah. set the scene. Hit me. Um, how old was Chris Evans on this profile? I had the number and I I've um, lost it. He would have been 30. Beatrice is a brilliant mind and mathematician. <laughs> Said about me never. Yeah, a, a scholar of physics. Um, <laughs> at this point, let me like set the scene, back it up a little bit. Um, Iron Man 2 and Thor are like coming out. So this was the start of like the Marvel yes, takeover. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. There was a lot of anticipation to see who was going to be cast as Captain America. Um, and it was Chris Evans. And that was sort of a surprising, like semi-surprising, because he wasn't at this point like a mega star. Um, yeah, he was the not another teen movie guy. Yeah, fan, like he was in Fantastic Four, That's which right. is another superhero franchise. And so it was kind of like, oh, really? But he was in it and he killed it. And they had to CGI him to make him tiny. And then they showed him in his like full buff glory. And it was a big deal. My boyfriend and I have had a lot of discourse about this in terms of steroids oh and how we just think everyone every hollywood actor is on them we just think it's impossible to get that big that fast i don't know how anyone does it i know that there's like the yeah working out like twice a day and like you can do wild things but like but he is huge in that movie huge huge like i don't even know if you could wrap your arms around him huge so this is like the context of this profile coming to light is like he's captain america the movie's about to come out but also to give sort of like a greater context, because 2011 was an absolutely wild year for pop culture. So this year, all these things happen. Prince William and Kate Middleton are married, which was like a massive, massive event in the world globally. We all watched. Everyone watched. Oprah airs her final episode. Oh, my God. The show like wraps up. She airs her final episode. Kim Kardashian yeah, files for divorce after 72 days of being married to Chris Humphreys after their $10 million wedding. Um, Lady Gaga releases Born This Way. Game of Thrones premiered. Osama bin Laden is killed. So <laughs> a lot of 50 Shades of Grey is published this year and like launched revolution of moms reading like softcore porn yeah, yeah. Um, poolside slash like in their Volvos on audiobook in 2011. It really felt hopeful. I remember that time quite well. I mean, apart from like all the discourse about 2012 and the world ending, we felt like we were in a good place. We'd like come out of a recession, relatively unscathed. Yeah, I feel like for those that weren't destroyed by 2008, (laughs) um, like, like, caveat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't a global depression, which totally. is like the, the takeaway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it makes so much sense that in this moment, this like um, all-American hero would rise to fame. Okay, so it opens on an IM message, which do you want to read it? 
Yeah, so it's it's Edith's friend, Kyle, who IMs her, Chris Evans' pex. How do they feel? Like smooth stone from a souvenir shop? <laughs> and the reason that Kyle is asking Edith this is because she's just been reported by page six to have been, like, cozying up to Chris Evans at a premiere. And the paper reported that... Um, they held hands, quote, in a flirty manner, and he even, quote, one placed one of them on his chest. So immediately we know that, like... Like, this is not a usual, no. like, journalist-celebrity exchange. No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It really sets the scene for the fact that, like, this is going to dive dark into the depths of some crazy shit. Yeah. In, like, a brilliant literary way she lets us know how this ends right at the beginning yeah um with this in the days since my first interview with chris evans i drunk myself under the table snuck out of his house at 5 30 in the morning bummed a ride home off a transsexual been teased mercilessly in front of his mother and now this bit in the paper hate the transsexual part i know that's, yeah that's really so, tough it's so crazy to that that is still in print i know but, i you know, know but really. um but yeah, I but mean, the rest of it is also pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's fully she's setting the scene for what is going to be a crazy tale. Yeah, um, and unfortunately, she doesn't remember touching his chest, which is too bad. It's funny because this is really foreshadowing, or maybe Katie Weaver pulled directly from this for when she profiled Kim Kardashian in a very famous GQ profile and said touching kim kardashian's chest makes everything else feel like needles and blah 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 (laughs) i'm sure that this is a reference yeah and i feel like with gq you can get fun with it yeah Um, edith took it to a new place do you know how old edith was at this time no but i think pretty young yeah i think young like we'll look into 20s? that. Yeah, I, I want to say we can okay. look into that. We'll we'll insert it here. Then she kind of backs up a bit with her first official interview with Chris Evans, which I think like in many ways does actually follow the standard protocol of a lot of interviews. She meets him at an Irish pub in Santa Monica, um, chosen because they're both from Boston and Boston has a lot of Irish bars. So he shows up and immediately it asks if she would like shots. The bar was beer and wine only. Um, so then they are like, okay, it's all good. He gets beer. She gets some white wine. And um, and then they talk. And yeah, he's 30 years old. Um, she describes him as handsome in a familiar way. Mm-hmm. Sort That's of what like, we were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like the best looking guy you went to high school with. Well, um, so have you ever drunk on a, on a job, on an interview? No. Yeah, I don't think I have either. No. Also, I just ne- we never have enough time. Like, am I really going to down a margarita in twenty minutes? Like, and for another round? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, so she's really describing him in this way that's like very approachable. His, she says, his teeth aren't off-puttingly white. His clothes aren't particularly stylish. His face is a lot friendlier, toothier, smilier in person than they say it is. So yeah, it's like, oh, he's actually approachable, and we're at an Irish pub, and everything's going well, and. As it kind of goes on, they continue to drink. Lines are blurred almost immediately because this is where it really happens. And this is like where I think like the profile turns. Oh, she says since we're both single and roughly the same age. Yes. So they are both 30. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. This is where it all happens. So she says, since we're both single and roughly the same age, it was hard for me not to treat our interview as a sort of date. 
Surprisingly, Chris did the same, asking all about me, my family, my job, and my most recent relationship. And from 10 minutes into that first interview, when he reached across the table to punctuate a joke by putting his hand on top of mine, Chris kept up frequent hand-holding and lower back touching, palm kissing, and knee squeezing. He's an attractive movie star. No complaints. Like, I'm just imagining someone kissing my palm. (laughs) I don't think it might be. No, my boyfriend has has not kissed my palm. Yeah, no. Ooh. I don't let alone in this context. Yeah, it's it's a lot. And it's I I actually like the call out to the fact that an interview is like a date because it, it really is. Like yeah. it it is. It's a one-sided date. But the fact that he's so interested in her is interesting. Yes. Um because you know like he does go on to date another Bostonian Jenny Slate. Like he probably was down. Yeah. Do you think? I Okay, so here's the thing. Okay. There are like two camps which is like Obviously, celebrities know what they're doing when Mm -hmm. they, like, flirt. Like, there's, like, I think an element of flirting that, like, always happens in situations like this. Like, in a way of, like, you know, I want to appear charming. But this feels like it's more than just that, especially because of what happens after and the fact that she's invited, like, both to his home and then to his premiere and meets his mom and does all these things. So Yeah, I think he's taking risks here. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And it is to the chagrin of his publicist who said like do not invite this person to your home explicitly wait she said that. i thought yeah. she just said don't drink oh don't drink but also like don't like i think at the point that he invited her to the premiere his publicist was like don't do this like you you know i know that you drink or there was something yeah i'll find the exact quote as we go on but it was basically like this is a bad idea like this is <laughs> this can go very wrong like what <laughs> you know who knows what will happen So, like, right off the bat, this is just skewing the traditional celebrity profile because it's not about him. It's about her night with him. Yes. So, already it's like, okay, I actually don't know a lot about Chris, apart from the fact that he's the same age as her, the writer. And flirty. And flirty. And from Boston, where she's also from. Yes. And it's all through, like, it's all through this lens that shines back onto her own life. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> which is a problem for a lot of people. Yes, and we'll get into the reception of this mm-hmm. article a little bit later, but people really like jumped mm-hmm. down poor Edith's throat. Yes. Um because of lines like, quote, is this the part of the celebrity profile where I go into how blue the star's eyes are because they are very blue. Okay, this is the thing. I like this profile. So do I. I like it. Yeah, I yeah. think it's fun and yes. I think it's um I think it's bold, and I think that she sounds like she had a lot of fun with him. Mm -hmm. And I do think that definitely we only learn about him, like, through her eyes. Mm -hmm. But when I look at some of the other profiles, especially one this big of, like, someone that, you know, just got an absolutely massive life-changing role and who has remained relevant even to this year, being named People's Sexiest Man Alive, Mm -hmm. we actually do learn some things about him where we, like, learn how he behaves at least when a profile just feeds you the quotes from the star's mouth and nothing more growing up like i always felt out of place it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. i don't like what is anyone supposed to glean from that i think she also <laughs> kind of makes it quite clear there may not be a lot else to him apart from what he gives mm-hmm. like he is truly serving bostonian nice guy big drinker realness like that is that's what that's the whole that's his whole thing he's high-fiving her all the time you know he's making like 
wanker gestures when he's like talking too much like he really doesn't take himself too seriously there's also not a whole lot of deep introspection going on there's not a whole lot of soul searching and self-awareness i mean no the only time that comes not the only time but the time that that comes out is like the sweetest kind of introspection when he one of his quotes in the profile is um (laughs) when he says the times in my life when i've been the happiest are when i've seen a sunset (laughs) which i love wait do you know what you've forgotten to bring up what what happened when you left the junket with him Oh my god. This is this was folklore. Like this was I have long heard about this, but I have only only in researching this profile did I actually see it because Ivana pulled it out of the the trenches of her Google Drive and she finishes, she wraps her junket and Chris Evans holds out his hand to shake and she just absolutely bypasses and leaves him hanging in the truest sense of the word. It is gut-wrenching. We will, <laughs> I didn't mean to do it. We are going to post this somewhere because it is incredible. I felt so bad when I saw the playback because it was just like, it's like those rooms are always really wild. You're like in a hotel room, there's like 90 people somehow in there. Super overwhelming. And yeah, so overwhelming. So like at the point that they're like, okay, you have to leave, get up. Like I just was like, okay, I have to get up and leave. Yeah. And I left and I didn't even know until I was sent the video footage. And he did the classic, like put his hand out and then like put it back back in his hair and like oh. Anna Jarmus is looking on in horror and I really I really like I love a himbo and yeah. that, that yeah. is him yeah he's just so delightful yeah exactly and Edith clearly thinks so and it's like at this point you know she says we both drank too much and said too much I never opened the notebook of questions I had brought with me which I think is another that was like another one of the things that people like took out of the profile seasoned journalists were like how could you but you and I have actually talked about how I remember you told me a story about when you forgot your questions at one point and that ended up leading to like one of the best interviews you'd ever done because you were able to like actually be present and like have a conversation I've ever written questions I maybe really early on when I was like 20 like Mm right out the gate but I I think I pretty quickly learned that when I wrote questions I was waiting for their answers to ask the next one or steering them now I literally write one word topics I'll write childhood and that's kind of it and then I just go from there so I deeply relate to people kind of eschewing their questions altogether and just I agree leaning in I don't it is think a conversation and you get the best out of them when they trust you like that instead of when you're like looking up and down yeah ready to ask the next thing and I really do think it takes you out of the moment and it makes it harder to actually listen to what they're telling you because I, I get too nervous that I'm like okay I have to get to the next one yes and then it's like it actually they could be saying something really relevant really that you relevant. want to dive into. Yeah, yeah, but you've missed it entirely because you had a plan going Yes, in. exactly. So I don't think this is the crime that everyone paints it to be. And he got to talk about, you know, how he's happiest when he's looking at a sunset. And I think she she overemphasizes that she doesn't remember things because it was literally recorded. Yes. So I hey, think you can thi- piece it together, yeah, surely. Exactly, exactly. And I think at this point, she's still like, coherent like it's like all is fine at this point so yeah they're like they're joking the profile goes on they're high-fiving and then there's lots of booms yeah boom Boom. (laughs) (laughs) which is which is every time they say a joke it's just punctuated with like boom yeah (laughs) i know which yeah i think of the past 
We find out a little bit about his childhood, speaking of childhood as a topic, um, and how his mother ran the Concord Youth Theater outside of Boston, and him and his three siblings all performed there. What's so interesting is how much the mother features in this. Yeah, Lisa. Lisa. (laughs) Big part of the profile. (laughs) Because, like, yeah, a a great profile or, like, someone who's had time in a cover story will interview kind of the nearest and dearest, which I think we've talked about. But they usually don't play such a starring role, which I thought, I mean, I interpreted it as she didn't get a lot from Chris, obviously, because A, she was wasted, and B, they were just kind of shooting the shit. So she had to kind of rely on Lisa for a lot of context. The way that Lisa talks about Chris is she describes him as kind of a big dork, his mother told me. At 30, he still knows all the words to songs from The Little Mermaid. What a cutie. Cutie. Cutie Cutie alert. (laughs) Oh my God. And so we like track his rise from children's theater to landing local commercials. And then he decided that he's going to do the actor thing. Take a year off. He moved to New York, then LA, and he made it. He got not another teen movie when he was 20. And then he was in The Perfect Score, Cellular. Um, he started dating Jess- Jessica Beale, which was like big. That was big. Yeah, right? it was big because she was big. And during their relationship, didn't she get Sexiest Woman Alive? Oh, I believe it. I believe that. Or maybe like there was um, like a Sports Illustrated or like yeah. some sort of cover with her that it's like I just, burned in my mind. Yeah, I just remember it really negatively impacting her career. Like yeah. directors were like, we don't want the sexiest woman alive. We want like the girl next door, which is just oh ironic because God. Lord knows like, male actors' careers just skyrocket oh, yeah. after getting sexiest person alive. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, and then I actually really loved him in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I forgot he was in there. Yeah, he plays one of the evil ex-boyfriends. And he talks a little bit about Michael Sarah in in this profile where he says, I love Michael Sarah. I really do. I like that kid, <laughs> which cute. You know, he's not, he's not probing, you know, deep, but he's getting his point across. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We don't, we don't need much more. We certainly don't, we don't need any less. No. Um, no. But we're, I, we're getting a little something. Yeah, exactly. And with uh, his like Scott Pilgrim casting, he kind of jokes a little bit about being like worried about the fact that everyone was telling him that he was going to be perfect in this role and like would totally crush it. And like the role is like this like absolute asshole. He's like kind of worried about what that says about him. Yeah, the self-indulgent like actor type. He brings it up throughout this profile of just like, are you going to make me look bad? Are you going to make me look bad? Yeah. Which is kind of, it is it is self-aware for a celebrity to do. I mean, it, it, it hasn't happened to me in a really long time when someone's just like, how are you going to, how are you going to write this? Like literally, yeah. how are you going to write this? They have to be it's really always comfortable scary. to say something yeah. like that. <laughs> And then at this point, they get into Captain America. They talk to director Joe Johnson, um, and that's when he, the quote that you brought up of that it's all him, his shoulders, his chest, it's all him. (laughs) And yeah, the Marvel Studios president and producer Kevin Feige talks about how he has a comic book physique. So even the men are fawning after him and his physique. That's what I mean. He really hits every demo. She has a funny bit, which actually did make me laugh, where she says, I don't know what Chris's exercise regimen is because it's one of the many things I forgot to ask him. Yeah, (laughs) that's the mistake. You cannot forget your audience. Like, this is a GQ profile. Yeah, people want to know so bad. If you're a a 20-something, 30-year-old writer, bookish type, and... That, and it doesn't matter to you. I get it. But it matters so much to the audience. Like, even I want to fucking know. I'm like, how do you... How did you do it? How did you do it? Yeah. How did you do it? You are enormous. And to call it out rather than let it be unsaid. Yes. The fact that she chose to call it out. Yeah. I am like, wow, that's... 
Because there, I mean, I'm sure you felt it too, that anxiety of when you're like, ah, I forgot to ask like one of yes. the most important questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I can't imagine in that moment, like I try to do everything I can to cover it up, obviously, yeah. versus being like, I forgot to ask Emma Chamberlain about YouTube. And I'm also sure that she could find that. Like yeah. it would be out there in the ether. Yeah. Also, my other thing was this. Actually, I'm so glad we brought this up because I had this thought reading the profile the first time is, why did she not? That's a publicist question. Ping yeah. the publicist and say, hey, just realize we didn't get to this. What is, what's Chris Evans' routine? Mm-hmm. Like very quick, how much protein, how many workouts a day? What's, what's the wh- trainer? What's the split? Yeah. You know, just break it down really quick and I'll just chuck that in there. You know, it's not something that he needs to necessarily detail himself at length yeah i feel like i don't know maybe there's like an unknown history of this because i do feel like the parts where she's like i don't remember this and i don't remember this and i forgot to ask about this it feels a little bit like well you've ingratiated yourself enough with like him and his family yeah that like Text couldn't him, you call yeah, yeah. Like, i wonder i wonder like what that's something the making of that is where I tend to agree with critics in terms of just due diligence. Like I'm the same as you. I love this profile and I love the way in. I love the angle. But yeah, there are certain things where it's like, okay, just just do your job just like a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to know. Yeah, I just wish we could know. We don't have the exercise regimen. But what I thought was actually interesting was that he said no a bunch to this role. Like he refused this role a lot. And he kept saying no and they kept coming back. Um, and then eventually... Uh, one of his quotes is, uh, he realizes, you know what? This is your biggest fear. This is exactly what you have to do. And so he does it. He agrees, finally, which I think is very interesting. I don't know, like, what actor of his stature would have repeatedly said no to Captain America. I yeah. Like just about anyone would have been like, absolutely, yes. I want to be mega famous 100%. right now. And he wasn't that big. It's not like he was a serious character actor and this would have been way out of his realm. Yeah, I agree. So we're like an hour into into the interview. Yeah, he's bumming a smoke off of someone at the bar. She doesn't smoke cigarettes, but actually she's going to have one with him outside. And then is like sharing one with movie stars. Amazing. Everyone should try it. Um, this is where we get into the publicist. So despite his publicist specifically telling him not to, he invited me to come to his going away party. My poor publicist, he said. She knows I like to drink. She was like, please don't drink too much. Please just don't drink too much. And you're going to take this person out and they're going to ruin you. He like takes her back to her hotel, insists that she goes with his driver. And then in the vast back seat, I'm quoting, Chris was even more flirtatious than before. It was easy to forget that it really was an interview. And I'd be lying if I say it didn't cross my mind that something might happen and that we'd go to the Oscars and get married and have babies forever until we died, question mark. <laughs> but there was always the question of how much it was truly Chris Evans and, and whom I should pretend to be in response. Um, so I pulled back, decided good reporter was a smart one to try for at least a few minutes and burned through the easy questions I had forgotten to ask him at the bar. And then she asked him like, would he raise his family in Boston? Yeah. 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 How would you handle that? If I've, I've been in a similar situation (gasps) and being touched and being complimented a lot. And then can I get your number? Can I get your Instagram? Like all of that kind of stuff. And it's like, it is so weird. That would be terrifying. I don't, I feel like I don't ever interview men. So I wouldn't even know that. No, it hasn't happened. Yeah. How did you handle it? I just kind of laughed. We sat down to do the interview. I was on the set of his photo shoot and he asked me what I did. 
I'm a journalist and I'm interview you. Let's go. And then yeah, and he started just making like I have red hair, obviously. He started talking a lot about redheads and I was like, ah, that's a it's a red flag, no pun intended. And like freckles and it just was like I mean it was more overt, I think, than even this. He also had like a very famous girlfriend, which like was also weird. It's so hard to handle. Like you just you know, you don't want to alienate them, make them feel uncomfortable. You want to get the story. Um, but I think there was a moment that I was kind of like, okay, like that's that's a lot. And he definitely reeled a little bit. Um, but that being said, like I wasn't attracted to him. It wasn't like a, mm-hmm. a two-way like situation. Like we're vibing. Yeah, like we're vibing. It would be really hard to be in this kind of context with someone who you genuinely like – they are hot and they are like touching me. Like I just don't, it would be so hard to draw the line, especially if you were single and. Yeah. And especially at the point that, yes, you predicted correctly. Now we're at the club at Voyeur. And again, I feel like we're a broken record, but this would never, ever happen in today's context. To be invited to a going away party, like with friends. (laughs) And so hilarious to think about because yeah, she arrives to the club and she goes. Where is he going? He is going where did she i don't know oh maybe he's going to shoot captain america no i think he already shot it oh I oh think, my god of yeah 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 no i think that he where is, is he going, going. Where, where another, is another question she begins to ask <laughs> i really don't know where he's where going. Are you going i hope i hope he had a good time i think maybe he's going to new york but He's leaving LA, it seems like. Yeah. I know he I know they end up in New York together, but would you throw a going away soiree for just It's actually now funny for an actor at all to ever have a going away party of any kind because actors are like famously traveling like shoot to shoot to shoot and like also have like apartments in different I mean it literally says this this film was shot in Albuquerque as apartment in Boston. Yeah. He's obviously the premiere's in New York. Like, he's on the move. Yeah, like, is Where is he going? I love that he's also, like, at a WeHo club, which is yeah. just, like, the height of gay clubs. Like, I They know. just must have – the gays must have just been absolutely frothing. I'm sure. So they're at Voyeur, and she shows up, and she goes to the bartender and is basically like, hi, I'm a writer who's profiling a celebrity who's here, and I'm looking for him. Have you seen <laughs> – Chris Evans <laughs> and the bartender was like are you kidding and didn't give a shit and didn't say anything and then she wandered around until Chris like came and found her and like plucked her out of the crowd and then he gave her a big kiss on the cheek and brought her back to his table where all of his close friends from high school are it's like intimate it's not like there's like 300 people here that Chris Evans doesn't know it's like they're like they're on a couch with his closest friends. I also just feel like even when you're at this point, going to the club, like being out is so wild. Mm-hmm. Like, would you not just stay at home like with your pals? Like, it's just quite an interesting. I mean, again, this is maybe pre-social media in the sense of like, no one's got their phones out the same way. But I mean, it was still the era of Perez Hilton and then blogs and TMZ. Like, would you really want to be out and about? It's just an interesting dynamic yeah totally and she's there and she's like kind of chatting or at least like trying to chat um yell over the music i'm sure Mm. with some of his friends and quote there were intermittent visits from chris for enthusiastic hand holding and cheek kissing which by then seemed less like flirting than an alcohol exaggerated but instinctual need to make sure people never looked bored and were always taken care of and never sitting by themselves unfortunately for me it was all downhill from there and then it jumps 
to mm. five days later in New York, Chris Evans is embarrassing me in front of his mother. Edith was hammered, he says, hammered. His friends and family and I are all piled into a monster SUV en route from the premiere party for his upcoming lawyer drama, Puncture, to its after party on the Lower East Side. He has traded in his uniform of baseball cap and t-shirt for movie star attire of smart blue suit and slim tie, and I'm wedged between him and his high school buddy Zach in the back seat. This is crazy. Yeah! Like that she can't even meet him there for like a quick little question. He just picks her up in an SUV with his high school friends and his parents. I know. Like they're this- like, they're dear friends at this point. I know. And he's like, yeah, he's teasing her and then basically being like, yeah, like you... So he does, and loudly enough for the entire card to hear, proceeds to tell the humiliating story of what happened after the club. Um, and up until an hour earlier, I hadn't actually known what did happen. In fact, I had spent the week practicing breezy and repertorial sounding questions like for fact checking purposes, can you give me like a one or two sentence recap of what we did after the club last Saturday? It It becomes clear that she was very drunk. And he is laughing about, like, how she doesn't remember. Basically, after the club, the friends and Edith all went back to his house. And she can't describe his house because, quote, I don't really remember any of it. Mm. Um, The best she could do is that it was clean and spacious and cozy, not too stylish. And that there were things on the walls, (laughs) framed pictures and stuff. We've been pretty brutal, I think, about male writers profiling, you know, young female celebrities that like I just as much slack as I want to give her because I definitely empathize with her I cannot help but think if this was a male reporter being like oh, I have such a crush on her she's so cute like uh, we would just be absolutely losing our heads you oh know? for sure and I absolutely. just can't I can't seem to like let that go because there's there's definitely points where she teeters on the line of professionalism and you're like okay we can kind of bring this back and turn this all around and have this be a really fun anecdote and yeah like I said like a fun angle Mm -hmm. and then have it be I guess really poignant profound journalism but it never reaches that point she never lets it go there yeah I also think that Mm. where I don't know if this is totally accurate but where I think that I have the issue with the male journalists Mm. who are often like legendary like media you know, people who yeah. have had huge opportunities in the New Yorker and New York Times and all, you know, magazines of note. And then they are here profiling, you know, a 20-year-old Natalie Portman, yeah. 22-year-old Margot Robbie. There's a Robbie. huge power imbalance. There's the, It's the power imbalance. Yes. And I think that's why my senses tingle less for this because the power imbalance here it's like not only is there a power imbalance with when you have like a older male reporter and mm. a young woman that they're profiling if they have the last word they're the ones that immortalize this person and there's really nothing that you know a young starlet can do at the point that the profile's out to yeah. like salvage anything you love the tables turning I love the tables turning. That's what it feels like. And it's like, you know, so often we know that like as writers, we have to be careful because our words are, we get the last laugh. It's like, even for the people that can protest or celebrities that come out against profiles or whatever, like all that falls away. And then, you know, you and I, 10, 20, however many years later, Mm. we'll pick this up again. And it's just these words in this order on this page that's like left. Mm -hmm. And so I hate how many profiles there are where a male writer has basically like had his way with the subject and linguistically, yeah, linguistically and like taken liberties and 
exercise that power in a way that diminishes the person rather than mm. builds them up. Chris Evans is built up it's in built this up. To, to deity level. I know. Yeah. And so I think in some way, it, not that Edith is not powerful because like, you know, she has a big platform here with GQ, but this story in large part is self-deprecating. Like, yeah, she, to cut a long story short about her going back to his house, I mean, she ends up trying to leave, falls into the gutter, mm-hmm. they find her in the gutter, it's a whole thing, and she ends up getting a ride home from said transsexual that she references earlier. Again, it's so crazy to, to, to see I that know. in print, who just, I guess, rolls up and is kind of like, are you okay? And then takes her home, which is all very well and good. And then we flash back to the after party um, post-premiere, and he's still flirting, and she doesn't know what the deal is, but it's... Uh, Yeah, I mean, you're right. It is very much like she wants to approximate herself to him in any way possible. Yeah, and I feel like if we were ever confused on if she's in on the joke, the way that the profile ends, I feel like really reveals to us that she 100% is. And she knows how she sounds for, I don't know, some serious journalist at the LA Times to point out, like, this profile was very fawning. It's like, she knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is how the profile ends. They, you know, regale her with stories of her drunken night at his house and how she had to crawl out and was in the gutter and all of that, whatever. They make plans to see each other again for like another like Captain America thing. It doesn't happen. They become Facebook friends. And then this is the final, the final lines of the profile. One thing I should mention about Chris Evans. He's the greatest person I've ever met in my life, which is what I told him I'd say in this article. If he gave me back the leather jacket, I accidentally left at his house and he did. It feels like a little, it's like a funny little wink of like, I know how I sounded. Yeah. I know that. Like, why would my leather jacket be at his house? Ridiculous. Like, you know, it's like all no, of it. No, it's all very like middle school. Like she's she's writing from the perspective that so many had at the yeah. time with Chris Evans. Like true, true love, like true infatuation. Yeah. And so, and I don't know if, yeah, I mean, I think, I think she does deserve a lot of credit in the sense that this was like incredibly brave. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's really putting herself out on an absolute limb and just welcoming a whole lot of criticism for this, which she gets. Like, yes, there was, there was an LA times critic who just goes in. I mean, the title of the article is GQ's take on Captain America's Chris Evans, worst celebrity profile ever. Bold. Old. We know there have been worse. That would hurt. Like that. Oh would my hurt. god! In the L.A. Times, yeah, it's like wide circulation on that old paper. Yeah, and he he kind of wraps this critique, saying the most depressing aspect about this hapless attempt at celebrity journalism isn't that Zimmerman is willing to tell the world how easily she fell for a movie star, or that GQ was willing to print it, but that the story violated rule number one of good journalism. She can't even remember what happened. And he's not, he's not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> he's not yeah. wrong. I love you. But just he's, so, not nice. he's, he's, yeah, not nice. he's not nice. <laughs> I mean, you're so, it's funny. You, you are so willing to defend. I, and I do love that, but you're right. I mean, there's never really been anything like this since. No, no. And actually there was a tweet that I found 
from one Luke Winky, who is a writer, I believe. And he tweeted that the publishing of Edith Zimmerman's profile should be celebrated as a national holiday because it was the last time they'd let us write something like that right before the celebs slammed the door completely. Wow. And then he says, you could say that the 2011 Edith Zimmerman, Chris Evans profile marked the end of the 90s, <laughs> which I really... True. Yeah. Because here's the thing. And I think it's so interesting that this is wrapped into like Marvel and Captain America because fandom culture has existed for decades. Like we've all been fans of like things that's larger than I. Um, but I think it really was at a pivotal moment in the late 2000s, early 2010s, because we're looking at like the rise of Tumblr and Twitter. Large fandoms have like found a home online kind of. Yeah. And this is like just the beginning of the Marvel cinematic universe, which like, People are people are willing to stake their life for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they are obsessed with anyone involved and, like, are so deeply enamored with the whole world of it. And I just think it's so interesting that this profile happened when it did. Yeah, before the celebrities slammed the door on us. <laughs> okay, so what do you think it does well and what do you think it doesn't? I think what it does well is that it's incredibly innovative, and I think that it's entertaining. The writing is... It grips you. It's it gri gripping. It's gripping. Yes. It's gripping. Yeah. yeah. It is. And I think that it is not afraid to be bold in a way that, like, there is a real, pro like, a profile, um, like, uh, equation that yeah, often yeah. it's like, you know, we meet here, we talk about these things, we talk about the latest project. I leave on a quote, you know, about how the star is still figuring things out and then... It's over. Yeah. And so I think that she took a risk here. And I think that a lot of people hated it because people hate when um, women love things. Like, in yeah. the same way that women, like, fan, quote unquote, fangirl over, like, rom-coms and things. Like, there is such an unseriousness that we treat women when they love things unabashedly. Yeah. I think that our culture looks at that and immediately is like, well, that thing disgusted that they love. By it. Yeah, they're disgusted and we're, by we're it. We're fighting against it at every turn. We're like yeah. loving the Smiths over pop music. Like that's the dream girl, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And it remains the dream girl. Yeah. It's it like does. I want you to listen to Radiohead, not yeah. Carly Ray. It's like, <laughs> okay. It's just not interesting to me. And so I think I think that's really what I love about it. If I boil it down, it's the fact this is like an unabashed, like I'm totally enamored with this person and like I am doing nothing to keep my cool about yes, it. Yes, yeah. And I think that that's cool. I wish, I do wish, I mean, because it is all about her and was always going to be about her, I guess, in the end. I wish she got a little bit into the relationship that she had with him before like what she thought of him prior to this yeah i agree if she watched not another teen movie if she was into the perfect score and followed the jessica beale relationship i think that would have been the perfect setup because then she truly would have been writing from the perspective of the every woman or the every man yes i agree i totally agree yeah yeah that i would put on my like you know constructive for list. sure yeah, yeah. What's the taste that's left in your mouth? The taste that's left in my mouth. Um, because I think that I am still riddled with that internalized misogyny, it is hard for me. Like I do. It is biting on a, like a, a sour lemon a little bit. But ultimately, like in every bit of writing I, 
I come out with, I think that I'm trying to do exactly what she's doing, which is to completely throw people off and create something that has never been done. Just kind of fuck up the formula, which she does, which Nancy Joe did with, with Leo. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the idea of just completely throwing any expectations to the wind. And and I think it was <laughs> kudos to GQ for publishing it. Like, and who knows what they did to it? Who knows what the original was versus what they ran? But I think like... I really, really hats off to an undoubtedly male editor at GQ who just went like, this is fucking funny. Let's just yeah, do it. Let's, yeah, let's run it all. Let's just run it all. And I think that's that's sick from from one to Pulitzer. What Pulitzer. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's the rare 10. It's the rare 10 for me. Mm. <laughs> Where are you at from one to Pulitzer? I mean, it's not even on the fucking scale. Yeah. It's not no, it's really hard. journalism. It's a night out with a friend. You know, it is. And you know what? Actually, there's a quote how it's not on a scale because it's like we don't know what is real or not real. And she writes, he's still flirting, but if it's manipulative, it isn't insincere. And it's almost come full circle from feeling genuine to feeling calculated to feeling sort of familiar and comfortable. Although it's still a little weird to consider what's been real and what hasn't. I think that we're left not really knowing. Did he just really flirt with her until she wrote this or... Is he like genuinely like this? Like, was there a, a spark between us? What did the handholding mean? Did they actually have a great night out? Or did mm. it just sound like that on paper? I don't think we can know what's <laughs> real and what's not real. She now has a newsletter about addiction. And mm. I wonder if she is sober and if this has anything to do with anything. Because it does read a little bit like anyone's time drinking. It felt like a great night in the moment. Was it actually a great night in hindsight? Yeah. And maybe that's the question. It's not, is this good? It's... Is Chris Evans smarter than he looks? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I I want to believe no. Yeah. <laughs> I want to believe that he wasn't calculated. Yeah, I um, want to believe that too. Yeah. yeah, and I just love the the unproblematic Hawkeye. Yeah, honestly, Gorgeous. wish him the best. Wish him the best. <laughs> um, and wish Edith the best. And- yes. Hats off for dealing with all the bullshit that came of this because there was there was a lot and I wish that you got the fucking book deal. I agree. I know. No, it's a strong it's a strong person to be able to like have it have endured this. Yes. I feel like I don't know, my nerves would be shot for a while. I don't think she's really written for GQ since. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just Chris Evans and and one kind of first person feature, which is kind of ironic because this is a first person feature. It's like just an experiential story of her night out with Chris Evans rather than a profile of Chris Evans. Maybe that's what, the way we need to take it. Yeah. My night out, My with, night Chris. out with Chris. Yeah. yeah. Which I love. I love. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a privilege. What a, what privilege. a privilege to what? work alongside you. <laughs> and to just take in the American Marvel that was Chris Evans and all his chiseled glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, what do you think? Are you a Chris Evans stan? Do you feel nothing? Are you totally ambivalent? Do you hate? I'm so interested. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't really know who he is after this. So I I would love to hear. Yeah, please tell us all about it. All right. Bye, Bye, Argos. Bye, (laughs) Argos.